My name is Aaron Matthews. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you, I'd love to do that afterwards. And I have to say, I'm thankful this morning that you are here. Preaching to uh, an empty sanctuary is no fun, okay? So I'm thankful you're here, but as much as I'm thankful and grateful that you're here, I'm also thankful that the Holy Spirit of God is here this morning, amen? That God, the very God of the universe who created and spoke all of this into existence, who gave us his love through Jesus, is here with us this morning. And when we leave here in a little bit, he'll go with us out into the world. I don't know if you ever stop and think about that, but I'm grateful that nothing I do or say, no place that I ever go, that God is not there. I'm thankful this morning for his presence. I know we just prayed, but would you give me just a moment to pray together again? Because I want to pray that God would speak to us. Maybe more honestly, that he'll speak to me this morning and that he would speak through me. So would you pray with me this morning? Lord, you've heard the words that we have sung to you in worship. Lord, we join our, voice, our voices this morning with the entire earth, all of creation, in worshiping you and honoring you as King of kings and Lord of lords. This morning we come from a variety of weeks, some of them good, some of them not so good. But we come to this place so that, Lord, we can hear from you. I'm convinced this morning the words of the preacher are meaningless. It's only if your Holy Spirit shows up. It's only as your Spirit speaks to us that anything in our heart or life changes. So, Lord, I'm praying this morning that you will be present. I'm praying, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, you would speak to my heart this morning, that I might be reminded today of just how much you've loved us. Now, Lord, get me out of the way. Put me behind your cross this morning, Lord, so that as I attempt to communicate what it is that you've put on my heart, that what we would hear is you. I pray these things in the strong and mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In October of 1950, CBS launched a new show. They simply entitled it, Ark Linkletter's House Party. Uh, this was a, a daily half-hour variety show that included uh, singing groups, quiz games, celebrity interviews, and often a monologue from Art Linkletter himself. This uh, former radio show turned television daytime entertainment ran for almost 20 years, and one of the most beloved segments in all of Art Linkletter's house party was the little segment they called Kids Say the Darndest Things. I love that part because you never know what a kid's going to say, right? 
And they revived this uh, some years later in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, I believe it was, and they made Bill Cosby the host. And they would bring these kids, often precocious kids, and set them on the stage in a chair. And then Bill would interview them. And you never know what a kid's going to say. And they often said funny and whimsical things. And of course, Bill being himself, he made it even funnier. A few years ago, CBS sold the rights of that television show to ABC, and ABC tried to launch it one more time using the same name, and they made Tiffany Haddish the, the host. And I thought this morning, as we think about Thanksgiving, that we might think for a moment what children are thankful for. So I have a little clip from Kids Say the Darndest Thing that I'd like to share with you this morning. Chloe, tell me, what's your Thanksgiving day like? We have like turkey and mashed potatoes with gravy and all that kind of yumminess. Okay. What's your favorite part about Thanksgiving? My cousins have a pool and we get to go swimming. Really? Yeah. It's not cold? Or... No, we're in Las Vegas. Oh, it's really hot there, right? Obviously. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Evan, tell me, what's your Thanksgiving like? Me and my family drive to my grandma's who lives in Pahrump. Pahrump? It's this little tiny town. What's there? My grandma's house. <laughs> What's your favorite part of Thanksgiving? When we have the fruit salad, which is technically like whipped cream, uh -huh. strawberries, bananas, marshmallows, all mixed into one. Mm, that sounds like gas to me. Thanksgiving is all about being thankful. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for everything, actually. That's good. <laughs> hey, Evan, what are you thankful for? Well, really, my mom should be thankful for this. I'm not really thankful for this. <laughs> my mom would probably be thankful that school's almost near and she doesn't have to deal with me and my sister. <laughs> she said, she just has to hang out with us all day, but when school comes, it's like paradise for her. <laughs> and all the mothers of young children in the house said amen, right? Send those kids off to school, and those who have their head buried right now are the school teachers in the room thinking, yep, they're going to be ours for the next few months. It's funny, kids don't always get the point of Thanksgiving. I'm not as funny as, as Cosby or even Tiffany and certainly not as funny as Art Linkletter, but I thought this morning that I wanted to share with you just five things that I found this week that kids are thankful for. Here's the first one. I'm thinking, thankful for chicken nuggets. Any parent who has little kids around their house should also be thankful for chicken nuggets because your kids will eat if you have chicken nuggets and sometimes that's all they'll eat. So I, I get this one. Here's number two. I'm thankful for toilet paper. It is helpful. I wasn't sure about that one at first, but it would be quite a different Thanksgiving without toilet paper, right? Just saying. Number three. One little girl was clear about her priorities. Mom was number two. Dad was number three. Little sister was number four. But her life changed by Netflix, apparently. So it made the top of the list. I think one child completely misunderstood the entire assignment because he's thankful for nothing. 
But this last one is my favorite. I think it's the most honest answer. Uh, Billy, um, he, he, his answer seems a little coerced if you want to you know my opinion. Here's what he says. Thank you for the baby brothers, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Like, I have to tell God thank you because I ended up with brothers, and mom said I had to say thank you, but I really wanted a puppy instead. It's okay. Kids uh, maybe aren't the most thankful, and maybe they don't understand the reason for thankfulness, and maybe there's a whole host of reasons, but maybe as adults in their lives, we haven't always been the best model when it comes to thankfulness. This morning, I want to talk together about Thanksgiving, not so much the American Thanksgiving that started in 1621 with the American pilgrim colonists and the Native Americans, although that's an important part of who we are as Americans. I want to take us to a Thanksgiving that started two and a half, three millennia ago, long, long time ago. And in order to do that, I'm going to set the stage for you this morning. The idea of, pre, uh, of Thanksgiving predates even, the pro, even crossing over of God's people into the promised land, in the land of Cana. I want to invite you to what may seem like an odd place for us to look this morning for a Thanksgiving text, but I'm going to invite you into the world of Deuteronomy 26. Now, some of you just went, oh, what in the world's fixing to happen here? Because you know that Deuteronomy is one of those books that when you're reading through the Bible in a year, you're like, Lord, I'm not sure what you're trying to tell me. I think maybe I just need to make it through because there's a lot of just words. But I think what was going on in, in Deuteronomy 26 is important. Moses, the chosen and beloved leader of the children of Israel, has come to the last days of his life. He and the children, the children of Israel of his generation have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and now the camp of Israel finds themselves nearing the Jordan River, nearing the end of Moses' life. God was very clear. Moses got to see the promised land, but he would not get to go into the promised land. And so Moses, nearing the end of his life, has decided that he wants to spend some time speaking to the children of Israel about what they ought to do what life ought to be like. And pretty much what we find in the book of Deuteronomy is some final instructions from God through Moses to his people. And there's really three main themes. Here's the first one. Don't forget God has established a covenant with you, with Israel. Number two, here are the laws by which you should be abiding. We get the Ten Commandments again, for the second time. We get it back in Exodus, we get it here again in Deuteronomy. And then the third part, no matter what, you must obey the covenants. No ifs, ands, or buts. There's no excuses. Just do what you're supposed to do. One part of the instructions is to celebrate what God has done amongst his people. It's a festival that's come to be known as the Festival of Pentecost, also the known as the Feast of Weeks. The feast is celebrated 50 days after Passover, and it is to celebrate God giving the provision of the harvest. Our passage this morning is a set of instructions for that worship service, for that celebration of the Feast of Weeks. So if you're here this morning and you're able, would you stand with me in honor of reading God's Word?
Hear the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy 26. I'm reading from the Common English Bible this morning. Once you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you take possession of it and settle there, take some of the early produce of the fertile ground that you have have harvested from the land the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket. Then go to the location the Lord your God selects for his name to reside. Go to the priest who is in the office at the time and say to him, I am declaring right now before the Lord my God that I have indeed arrived in the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest will then take the basket from you and place it before the Lord your God's altar. Then you should solemnly state before the Lord your God, My father was a starving Aramean. He went down to Egypt, living as an immigrant there with a few family members. But that is where he became a great nation, mighty and numerous. The Egyptians treated us terribly, oppressing us and forcing hard labor on us. So we cried out for help to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our call. He saw our misery, our trouble, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and with his outstretched arm, awesome in power, with signs and wonders. He brought us to the place and gave us this land, a land full of milk and honey. So now, I am bringing the early produce of the fertile ground that you, Lord, have given me. Then set the produce before the Lord your God, bowing down before the Lord your God. Then celebrate all the good things the Lord your God has done for you and your family. Each one of you, along with the Levites and the immigrants who are among you. You may be seated. What we really have here is instructions for the community of God to worship, how they're to worship, the liturgy, the written word for what they're supposed to do. This may be the first Thanksgiving ever recorded. It wasn't in 1621. It's all the way back in a dusty book in the Old Testament. This becomes an annual tradition for the Jews. Every year, they would go through this liturgy. Every year, they would say to God, thank you for your faithfulness, to us. It is still today celebrated 50 days after Passover, the festival of weeks. The instructions are given before the people enter the promised land. Before God has done what he's going to do, he gives Moses some specific instructions. Do this. Once you've come into the land, once you've settled down in the land, I want you to take the first fruits, the the early part of the harvest, and I want you to bring it before me. Then you're to say this, I'm declaring now before the Lord my God that I have indeed arrived in the land that the Lord swore to my ancestors, to my forefathers. Then you're to give that offering, that basket to the Lord. Or give it to the priest so he can place it before the altar of the Lord. Then it's time to confess. It's time to testify. It's time to 
tell our story again and tell the story of the faithfulness of God. Of God. Year after year after year, God's faithfulness would be rehearsed in those circles. God has provided. 50 days before, they would have celebrated the Passover, telling again about each of the plagues and how on the last plague, they finally, Pharaoh said, just get out of here, I've had enough. And they leave, and in God's faithfulness, they leave Egypt, they cross the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea on dry ground. Then, 50 days later, they find themselves at this feast, saying, But God just didn't leave us in the wilderness. He's been faithful. He's given us the law. God was there with us the entire time. He took us from this little bitty group. It grew us into a great nation. And he made us his people, but Egypt took advantage of that. And they worked us hard. You remember the story? No straw to make bricks, and yet we're still required more and more and more bricks every day. But God heard our cry, and God faithfully brought us out to this place. Then set the produce before the Lord your God. Bow down before him. Then it's time to party. It's time to celebrate. You, your family, the priest, and all the people who are there celebrate together. Doesn't that sound like a great way to have a service? God, here's my stuff. Here's the first, the the top, the best. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to pastor, uh, to be the youth pastor in in a Korean church in Oklahoma City. And this time of year, this is a very communal group. This time of year, they would bring an offering of Thanksgiving. Now, the backstory of that looks like this. Every Sunday... After morning worship, we gathered in the fellowship hall and we ate together every single Sunday. I don't remember missing one. And there, the, the staple of the Korean people, a lot of that is rice. And so on the, the, the week of Thanksgiving, they would carry in these big heavy bags of rice and they would lay them right down here in front. And we would celebrate again God's faithfulness. That's kind of how I see this passage. You see, these people in Deuteronomy had moved from a, from a life of roaming, a nomadic life, to a more agrarian life where they're settled down into a place where they can plant and harvest. But the whole confession is this. We didn't get here on our own. We didn't, we're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. We're not mighty enough. We're not powerful enough. We're not brave enough to get here on our own. God helped us. Because, you know, truthfully, we can put that seed in the ground. And we can pray for rain. And we can cover it up. And we can do all the things. But you know what? Even today, with all of our science and technology, we cannot make it grow. Only God can do that. And they said, you know what, God, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you. Thank you. It's a confession that says, God, no one has showed up on our behalf and acted like you have. No one has has loved us like you have. The world has treated us harshly. They've been mean to us. They've hurt us. They oppressed us. Egypt was not fair to us. But God, you heard our cry and you delivered us. 
Every year they would rehearse this year after year after year after year. I'm going to steal a phrase that really describes this from the, from the book of 1 Peter. It's these words. Once we were not a people, but now we're God's people. That really captures what's going on in this passage of, of Deuteronomy 26. Year after year after year after year, they confess God's faithfulness. If we quit here, this would be a nice little story. And maybe on Thursday, as you're doing some part of Thanksgiving, you would think of it and think, oh, that's nice. This is a long tradition. It's been around for a lot of years. I'm not sure what it has to do with us, but yeah, thanks, Aaron, for bringing that to our attention. You might be sitting there wondering, why did Aaron pick Deuteronomy 26 this morning to preach from? Here's the truth. I believe this story isn't about a people long ago and far away. I think if we slow down and look at it this morning, if we really stop to understand, this isn't some story of ancient Judaism. This is our story. This is our story. On Thursday this week, we'll gather and gorge ourselves on turkey and stuffing and all the fixings. If we can keep our eyes open and the tryptophan coursing through our vein doesn't get to us, we might watch some football or play a game with our family. And if we can't handle it, all that tryptophan will find a place that we can get warm and lay down and take a nap. And that's all fine and good. But can I say to you this morning, it's not enough. We didn't get to this place on our own. The same God who heard the cry of his people and brought them out of the land of the oppressors is the same God who has blessed us with good health, who puts a roof over our head, who puts foot on our table, and blesses us with many, many blessings in life. If you doubt that, let me hasten to remind you that you did not cause your first breath to be and you don't have much choice on when your, when your last one will be. You didn't have the power to get yourself up this morning. The good Lord made your body to be able to do that. God has blessed us beyond our greatest and wildest imagination. But I get it. Some of us gathered here this year. This has been a tough year. We are in the midst of something hard this morning as a church. But can I say to you, God has not abandoned us. God is still here and God is still faithful. I want to ask you a deeply personal question today. What are you thankful for? And what has God done for you. I want you to sit with that for a moment. What has God done for you? I, I've chosen this morning, and I hope you'll indulge me. I, I want to tell you two things that I'm thankful for. There's a lot, but I want to just give you two. 
I didn't want to keep you past 1.30. I'm just kidding. I'll have you out of here before then. But I'll give you two. Here's the first one. This is my favorite little person. His name is Riker Jimmy Jude Matthews. That's my grandson, if you didn't know. This little guy has brought so much joy into our home, into our life. This little guy, don't tell any of the rest of the family, but that's Pop's boy. When, when he's around and I'm there, he wants me to hold him. We've developed such a great relationship, and he brings me so much joy just to be able, be able to play with this little guy. My kids grew up on me. Two of them are in college and on their own at this point. And the 16-year-old that lives with us still, she, she just doesn't think that we ought to do much. She didn't want to hang out with the old people. So this guy gives me joy. This week, Dad told us that he took his first steps. We missed it. We wanted to be there. We missed it. This guy, when, when we have an opportunity to be together, it, it, we, we love to laugh together. And so he's got this tickle spot right in his chest, and I just get him, and he just starts giggling. And his giggle is so infectious that we all end up laughing because he's laughing. I have to tell you, I love you, and I'd love to spend time with all of you, but if it comes down to choosing between hanging with this guy and hanging with you all, see ya. I'm hanging with him. I enjoy, he's been such a blessing to our life. And the second one, it's a hard one still for me to talk about. In January of this year, I had an illness that took me to my knees. My office is about 40, 45 feet from the... um, the, the lobby where I go to get counseling clients. And about Tuesday that week, it got hard for me to breathe. And I'm stubborn, and I just kept doing it. And I get back to the office, and I apologize for having to try to catch my breath. My wife tried to talk me into going to the doctor, but as hard as it is for me to say, I'm kind of stubborn and I don't really like going to the doctor. But by Friday, um, man, it was just, it was next to impossible. So I broke down, went to the doctor. And she said, um, stay in the car, we're going to check you for COVID. It's not COVID. Come in the office, we're going to check you for flu, it's not flu. Okay, go in the x-ray room, we're going to take some x-rays, maybe you have pneumonia, it's not pneumonia. I don't know what it is, she said. I'm going to send you home with some medication, with an inhaler. Let me know if it gets worse. I didn't get much better through the weekend. Monday, I changed all my appointments to be able to work from home. I sat in my chair, and even going to get a drink of water, visiting the restroom was, oh, it was so hard, even in the house. Felt labored. I laid down to go to bed Monday night. And I went, and nothing came in my lungs. And I sat up real quick, and I said to Shannon, call 911. I was able to catch my breath, said, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me just slow down and take some deep breaths. I said, I don't think I need the ambulance, but I do need to go to the hospital. Went to the hospital, the lady said, what's wrong? I said, I'm 
having chest pains and I'm having a hard time breathing. And she said, okay. They put me on the EKG machine. They don't see anything. And the lady says, I, well, Mr. Matthews, I'm, I'm guessing that you have COVID. We're going to put you in the COVID waiting area. They had a section just for COVID folks. And so I sat over there for two hours and waited and I knew it'd be longer and they wouldn't even let Shannon in the building. She had to sit out in the car. The longer I sat there, the harder it was to breathe. Finally, a, 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 a more experienced triage nurse a couple hours later called me again. She said, have a seat. I'm going to re-triage you. I said, okay. And she said, things don't look right. She said, honey, I don't mean to scare you, but I don't think this is COVID. Okay. She said, you're going to be the next one back. And they took me back just a few minutes later and, and, and they began to run tests. And, and the doctor brings me this little cup and he said, there's an aspirin in there. I want you to chew it. And I thought, uh-oh, we may have a problem. I've seen parts of that hospital that I wish, I hope I never see again. And I hope none of you ever have to see. I was tested, poked, prodded, scanned. I, they did everything I think they could think of. And the doctor comes in and he says, um, Mr. Matthews, you have bilateral pulmonary emboli. You have blood clots in both your lungs. And in that moment, I thought, okay, doc, what medicine are you putting me on? Let's, let's get this done. I'm, I'm tired. I want to go home. And he said, you're not going anywhere. You're not getting out of that bed for the next 24 to 48 hours. And it was at that moment that I said, uh-oh, we have a problem. Many of you here prayed for me, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm grateful for that. But there was a moment I remember sitting in that ER by myself, saying, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to get out of this. April of this year, after a lot of shots and a lot of medicine, after a few more days in the hospital, April of this year, I saw the hematologist in his office. And he said, I have good news. I said, okay. He said, those blood clots in your lungs are gone. Praise the Lord. August of this year, I went back, another checkup, that poor little ultrasound technician, she dug in the back of my knee for about 20 minutes, my left knee. And she kept going, and finally I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, is there a problem? And she said, no, 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 I just want to be thorough. And I said, can I ask what you see? And she said, that's the problem. The blood clot that was in the back of your knee, I don't see it at all. I said, that's a problem? And she said, no, I just want to make sure. And in that moment, I thought, God is faithful. God is good. Can I tell you this morning? God is there for us. What we celebrate on Thursday isn't just about pilgrims and Native Americans, it isn't about turkey and stuffing and football. It's not even about Black Friday the next day. It's about the faithfulness of God in our life. So let me ask you again, what has God done for you? Maybe you don't have a great story of healing, but I can assure you this much, 
you do have something to be thankful for. I saw a meme on Facebook this week that drove that point home for me. And I want to take just a moment and share it with you. Let that sink in for a moment. Will you take a deep breath with me? We have so much to be thankful for. Sometimes we just need to slow down and be reminded of the goodness of God. What has God done for you? What do you need to give thanks and praise to God for this morning? What is it that you can express gratitude for? We all have something to be thankful for. But that's not where Deuteronomy 26 ends. Verse 11 says this, Then celebrate all the good things the Lord your God has done for you and your family. Each one of you, along with the Levites, that group of priests, they didn't have any land on which to grow their own grain. They lived off the generosity of God's people. And the immigrants among you. God has blessed all of us, but not just for our own purposes. God has called us, like he did Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12, to not only be blessed, but to be a blessing to others. We are to be a conduit, a pipe, a a, a channel in which God can pour out his blessings. And it doesn't stop with us. We're not to be a dam or a reservoir. We're to be a conduit through which God's blessings can flow into the world in which we live. How many of you know this morning that our world needs us to be a blessing to them? Not because we've got it all together. Not because we've got it all figured out. But because we are in relationship with this God who loved us so much and wants the world to know he loves them too. In a moment, we're going to reprise a song. The the worship team is going to come and help us again. But I want to give you a challenge. I want to issue a challenge to all of us this morning. It's twofold, two parts. It's something that I give men and women who show up in my counseling office on a regular basis. I want you to take time, part one, every day to slow down and find something to be grateful for. And number two, I want you to also Choose to be a conduit, a channel in which God's blessings can flow from you to someone else. How much different would our world be if the church got serious about stopping long enough, not on the fourth Thursday of November, not even during the whole month of November, but every day of the year, 365, 66 of them, every day of every year and said, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then took that blessing and blessed someone else with it. How much different would our world be? So that's my challenge this morning. 
don't let this just be one more sermon, one more time that you've heard God's word preached about the same thing we hear about every time, or this time every year. Let this be a day that we're, our hearts are changed and we bless others through our blessing. What God has done for us, he wants to do for the world. But the world may never see that if it's not for us sharing that blessing with them. One last thing. If you have nothing to be thankful for, or you think you have nothing to be thankful for, there's a little book, I checked, it's still available on Amazon. It's called 10,000 Things to be Thankful for. It's just a list. I had one when I was probably a, a junior in high school. And every day I'd just open it and look. One day, long before I met my wife, I opened it and it said, what you ought to be thankful for. Hairspray. That's a little bit funny in my current predicament. And I thought, Lord, I'm losing my hair as a junior in high school. Uh, how could I be thankful for hairspray? The girl I was dating at the time, not my wife, the girl I was dating at the time, she, it, was, it was in the 90s. Remember the big hairdo? She used lots of hairspray. Lord, thank you for hairspray. Because of that hairspray, she can have that hairstyle. I, I love her, Lord. Thank you. Right? Find something. It doesn't have to be serious all the time. But find something to be thankful for. And if you can't think of anything, see me after service. I'll give you a few things to be thankful for. Can we pray? God, you've been good to us. More than we deserve, you've been good to us. So Lord, as we, um, as we sing again of your faithfulness, would you bring to mind those things? Would you remind us of how you've been faithful to us? Lord, thank you. As I was preparing this week, Lord, you reminded me the only appropriate response to your grace is gratitude. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.